Thank you, guys. Did a wonderful job. Hallelujah. I'm just always thankful for these people that come and help us and lead us in praise and worship. Last week was absolutely phenomenal again. We had a full platform the week before. We only had three, and I'll tell you, you really miss the folks when they're not here. Uh, uh, you really do make a difference. So you folks that come here and, and practice and come with your hearts prepared, just know that we are really thankful and, and grateful. Last night, I was invited to a soccer team, Atlanta United. My boat, my boat, my, 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 my. Boys. My two son-in-laws, they love to go, and they go every week, and they decided yesterday they would take their sons, so off they goes, and I never go, because on a Saturday, I really don't like going out on a Saturday, because uh, if I go out on a Saturday, then I'm tired for a Sunday, and Sunday is the main day. This is a day that I come to rejoice, and I want to have all my energy and all my strength and all my focus to focus and concentrate on him. And I hope pray this morning. Good to see you, Shauna, by the way. Welcome back from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, I bet you're thrilled from the moment you crossed over the state line. Into <laughs> Georgia. But, uh, you know, I want to have all my folks, even, now this is a big deal, even Jason told me this morning, and he skips church whenever he can to go to soccer, but he told his daughter yet today, he says, look, you'll have to go with the neighbor because I don't want to miss church this morning. So that's a big deal for him. I'm, <coughs> I'm thankful the Lord is speaking to your heart, Jason. But the reason why I'm saying that, I went, went and, and uh, my, my son-in-law, uh, Pastor Zach and Pastor John, and their two boys, Liam and Cade, <coughs> they went to the soccer. And... Uh, you can imagine, it's the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And this, bless you, Pastor Zach. You'll get a bonus this week. Here we go. So, you can imagine this place is, how many people were there yesterday? 40-odd thousand people in there. But you know, Pastor, you know that he looks for the favor of God every day. I always look for favor. I had a friend of mine call me, and he says, will you come with me to the soccer game? And I thought to myself, well, no, I think I'll just stay at home with Maggie. <laughs> so anyway, I thought about it a little while, and he, he says, eh, come, I would love you to come. He says, there's plenty of food, and the company's not bad as well. And that's where he texts me. Now, but where he goes, he goes into this private club. And you go in through these doors, and you've got a tag like this, and you're a VIP. I mean, there's still a lot of people there. But you're a VIP, and the food, you've never seen it like the like at all. There was shrimp, there was calamari, there was pork loin, there was ice cream and everything, pizzas, everything you could ask for. It was all there. And you know the great thing about it? <coughs> I've got something stuck in my throat. <coughs> it was free. Everything was free. As much as you could drink as you want and all you can eat. So I went there, and I enjoyed that, and then we went out into the stands, into the place. And the first thing I wanted to do was to find out where my boys were and my grandsons. And uh, we were in this special section, 
as you know, I was looking for favor, and God gave me favor. And I encourage you, if you want favor from God, to look for it. And he's been faithful to me. I continue to look, and it's amazing. I said to somebody the other day, I don't have to be a millionaire to live like one. Circumstances come. We've got Sonny and Mary Beth here. When we first came here to Atlanta, Mary Beth had this beautiful pool, and Sonny would keep it all clean for us and vacuum, and we could swim in their pool, and that cost us nothing. And they treated us like royalty. It's, it's just happened. And if you, I encourage you to look for favor. Look for favor. And when you receive that favor, you thank God for it. Because that's where it's coming from. So as I went out to the stands, and I'm not a big football soccer fan myself, so they were all started the other thing. But it's a wee bit slow, the game. But over on this side of the stands, it was packed. There was flags waving, and people were so excited. And there would be a drum beating, am I right? The drum would beat, and boom, 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 boom. And we'd get so excited, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, if only people would get like that way when we come to the house of the Lord. Because I see, I said to my friend, uh, <coughs> Oscar, I says, I'm thinking about tomorrow. <coughs> they were playing a game, and it was great, and all this stuff, the roof, actually the roof opened up. You could almost see heaven. All the jet, Delta jets and all the jets coming over the top of you, and helicopters flying over, and you're just in this huge, humongous place, and the atmosphere is just electronic. But you know what I began to think of? of the Lord and where my excitement lay. And I could see these people, you have, honestly, you've never seen the like. They were dancing like banshees. They were so excited. And the drum was going, and uh, the, the, if it had been wooden floors, the floors would have gone. They were up and dancing, and they were all going at the same time, if you can imagine it. And the flag, it was just, uh, it was worthwhile seeing. And the Atlanta United, they won. But you know, every now and again, or most of the game, my attention went up into this corner, 104. Up in the top corner, you can imagine, 40,000 people. And I could see my two son-in-laws and my grandsons. And I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at the excitement of my grandsons when, when, when the goal came, and they were high-fiving each other, right? Didn't they? They haven't told me. I, I watched them. I actually watched them get excited. Zach, he was swinging from the rafters. You, you couldn't hold them down. But you know, what, what I'm trying to say is they get excited about a soccer game. And yet, how are we this morning with our excitement? As I bring you to the table of the Lord this morning, I'm glad you're excited, Wanda. Praise the Lord. That's, I'm not going to say no more because I'll get myself in trouble. But I'm glad you're excited. But let me tell you about this table that sits before us. This is something that we really need to be excited about. There's not 40,000 with us right now, and there's not drums beating and singing, but you see, we've prepared our hearts. We've been the cheerleaders ushering in the presence of the Lord into this place right now for this special time, because we sang happy birthday to these folk. Why did we sing to them? Because it's a special day in their life when they come into this world, and they have blessed us being here, every one of them, Benjamin, Joy, little uh, uh, Landon. It, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to sing to them, and we're remembering their birthday. This morning, I want us to remember this greatest sacrifice, the greatest love story that was ever told for you and I. In the Bible, it tells us in John 3, 16, these words, and I hope we're all listening. 
body. I see you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's just personalize this a little bit. I'm not changing the scripture, but I want to personalize it a little bit. What if it said this, for God did not, uh, for God so loved Gail that he gave his only begotten son that if Gail believes in him, she shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son for to Gail to condemn her, but that Gail, through Jesus, might be saved. That's what the scriptures tell you. You put your name in there this morning. He sent his son to die in your place and in mine. And he gave his life for you and me. And he didn't do it to condemn us. But he did it so that you and I, we might be saved. As the brethren goes forward this morning in Corinthians 1 verse 11, we read the scripture, for I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 28 says this, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink of the cup. I ask you this morning, each and every one that's gathered, if you've accepted Christ into your heart and life, if you've asked him to come in to your heart and allow him to change your life, I ask you this morning that as we examine our own hearts and our own life, that we put anything that we have wrong, we put it right. If we've got ought against anyone, if we need to put something right in our own life, why don't you do it right now? Hallelujah. And if you know if you go to that person and they don't receive your apology or whatever it is, that's out of your hands then. That's out of your control. You've done what God has called you to do. And we need to ask if someone has done something against you and we're holding a grudge, we need to ask God to just to forgive us. Hallelujah. And allow him to minister to us and through us. So as we take the bread this morning and we take of the cup, hallelujah, together, and we remember, this is for you, and this is for me. His life, his body was broken for you, and it was broken for mine. That's how real it is. His blood was shed for us so that we may have eternal life with him. So just like I ask you to look for favor in life and ask for God to undertake for you, I ask you to look to him this morning and I ask you to give him thanks. If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, give him thanks for 
allowing his body to be broken and beaten and his blood to be shed. Why? Because he loved us. He loved Derek Watson. He loved Gail Baylor. He loved each and every one of you. That's, he did it for you. He sacrificed for you. Make it real this morning. Make it personalized. Make it this moment where this is your table. This is your opportunity to commune with God for yourself. Lord, I give you thanks this morning with a grateful heart, with a right spirit. And I give you thanks, Lord, for the wonderful sacrifice so that I may have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, we all said, Casting out fear Even when I'm caught In the middle Of the storms of this life I won't turn back I know you are near And I will fear no evil For my God is with me if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high every low oh no you never let go lord you never let go of me i can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on a glorious light beyond all compare and there will be an end to these troubles but until that day comes we'll live to know you here on the earth and I will fear no evil for my God is with me and if my God is with me whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Oh no, you never let go through the calm, through the storm. Oh no, you never let go every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high and every low. 
Grace and peace to y'all, the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, yeah, I have a good time at the Atlanta United uh, match. Um, I, I, I enjoy being around a bunch of people who are having a good time. And so, if they're hooping and hollering, well, it's really easy to hoop and holler along with them. Um, and I also was sitting there thinking, you know, a lot of times, especially when things are going good uh, in, in the game, it does remind me a little bit of heaven. Not that I think heaven is going to be one big soccer match celebration or anything like that, but when things are going good, you're high-fiving people that you're just meeting, uh, yet they're your best friend because they're wearing the same stuff you are, and they're cheering on for the same thing you are. And again, it might be a chance encounter, a chance meeting, but hey, you're just happy that you're there, and they're happy that they're there, and you're both happy that you're experiencing the same thing at the same time. And an interesting thing that was brought to my attention the other day is that in almost, in almost every reference of heaven and what it's going to be like and, what we're going to, and what's going to be going on, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a, more, a wedding feast. And if you've been to a wedding feast, this, these long drawn out feasts where it's a party, it's a time of merriment, it's a time of joy, of sitting around and talking and just having a good time. And it's the ones who, if you remember that parable where, you know, the, the, the prince or the, the bridegroom gives out the wedding garment to everyone that he's invited. He's invited everyone here. Here's the wedding garment. Put it on. And the ones who were like, hmm, I've got my own stuff. You know, I want to I wear what, you know. And, and, and he's like, but you didn't wear the garment. You know, I can't let you in. And that's a different message. So I won't go down that rabbit trail. We'll save that one for later. But it's... There's so much joy when God's children are finally home with him. And you look at the story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal, he's ready to be a slave. He's ready to go and live in his father's house. As long as his father will take him in, I'll say, I did all this stuff wrong. and I get it. I don't deserve to be your son. Just let me hang out here as a servant and I'll just. And before he could even get all of that out, his father is running to meet him, to grab him and embrace him into his heart because his son, who was dead, is now alive. And he starts giving out party orders. Go kill the fatted calf. Go get the robe. Go get the ring. It's party time because my son, who is dead, is now alive. Before he could even get out, all the, before he could even make all these promises to the father, the father is just giving and giving and giving because he is so thrilled over his child. See, God loves you so much more than you think he does. So much more. And that is overwhelming when you think about it on a different level. That it's God, the creator of 
everything. It pleases him to throw all of his promises and all of his blessings to you because you deserve it. No, because he loves you. And that's that changes everything. It changes everything. We're still in this series of crucified with Christ. We're following that trail of Paul in the New Testament. Uh, we're in the portion where Paul is writing to the Galatians. And remember the theme of Galatians. The Galatians were misled into thinking that, okay, yeah, we, we, we have faith in Christ and he's, he's given us his grace and we, you know, we have forgiveness of sins. But then these false teachers came in and said, yeah, but what about circumcision? What about the law? You know, if you really want to be saved, you got to do this, 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 and this. And the Galatians were like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. And Paul's coming in here, both guns ablaze and like, no, 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 what are you doing? Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? No. And he's like coming right after them and saying, no, no, look, look, this is not the, what I deliver to you. This is not the gospel. The gospel is on every page of Galatians, and if you look really carefully, it'll jump out at you at every page of the Bible. Just watch for it. Look for it. As early as Genesis, Adam and Eve with the law are trying to cover themselves with fig leaves, and God covers them with something's hide. Something had to die. And to have its flesh covered over Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve asked for it? No, they had no idea. But God gave it to them. He had a better covering. That screams Jesus that early on. And so Paul, he's, he's, he's reminding them. He's bringing them back to the gospel. He's telling them again, hey, what, what, the death of Jesus Christ saves. The death of Jesus Christ saves. The death of Jesus Christ saves. And that is Period. Final. Done deal. The death of Jesus Christ saves. There are going to be, I really honestly believe this, there are going to be Christian failures, Christian train wrecks. We're all train wrecks. That's a side note. That are going to be going into heaven, and it's just like, it really was just Christ's cross and blood. His total sacrifice for me, his total substitutionary death for me, and this is all mine. And the, and the Bible says they'll be leaping like calves out of a stall because it is that good. Because they are there not because of what they did for Jesus, they are there because of what Jesus had done for them. And that's their only hope, and that is the only hope. It's a completely different scheme. The Bible calls it the, uh, it, it's, it's foolishness. It's almost silly. It's almost a joke because everything else that we would think of, we would have, okay, you know, pull yourself by, uh, up by your own bootstraps, you know, get to work, you know, earn it, deserve it. You know, what do I need to do to climb up to get God? And God says, no, 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 I'm climbing down to get you. No, no, I, no you're, not, you're not climbing up to get me with your best effort. Your best effort stinks. It, 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 it's toast. And see, this will really blow those who are hoping in their self-righteous. Mine, because it did me. See, it's not so much our bad works that do us in. 
It's our good works. And here's why, before you freak out. Here's why. Because we won't let go of our good works. No, 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 I've done this. No, 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 no. I've, I've, I've spent 80 plus years in the ministry. No, 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 no. I've done this. I've done that. I've, I've, I've fed this. I've done that. I've given. I've given. I've done all these. I've, I've said, I've, I've, I've prophesied in your name. I, I, all these mighty, wonderful works. I, 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 I. No, I can't let go of my best works. No, they're mine. They're mine. They're mine. Look at that and be wowed, God. The Bible says, depart from me. I never knew you. Does that mean you shouldn't do good? No, you're free to love your neighbor. Do not look for them to be what is justifying you. What is justifying you is Jesus Christ. His very self. His life, his death, his resurrection is the ticket. Is what gets you in is the credentials that you ought to be bringing with you to heaven. Zach, why are you here? Well, I did this, and I did that, and I did that, and I did that. Zach, why are you here? Because you promised. Because you promised, Jesus. You promised that you died for me. You promised that by faith, believing in you, that I would be here. You promised to never leave me. You promised to never forsake me. You promised that I would be where you will be. That's why I am here. That's all, that's all it is. So, in the last chapter, in chapter 3 that we're in in Galatians... Paul has said something. He says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Abraham believed God, and God credited to him as righteousness. The promise of chapter chapter 3, verse 27, for as many as you are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, an enemy to heir. In chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, Paul doubles down on this reference about being heirs. And that's what the text is going to be this morning. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. We read, this is Paul, remember, this is Paul writing to the Galatians. But the Lord is using this to speak to us as well. But remember the context. Paul's reminding them, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen to what you have. And what you're effectively rejecting and giving up if you go this other route that the false teachers are given. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Through God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. 
Amen. Verses 1 through 2. It's a political illustration. The idea about being an heir. And when a child, when he's an heir to a, what, what, is a kingdom, you know, heir to a land, a, heir to a power or a, or a title. When the child is young, you know, they don't give him the kingdom right away. You know, he's, he's guided and he's guarded and he has this person or this counselor, this guidance, this someone who's going to say, hey, no, don't do that, don't do that, you know, do this. You know, and he's guiding him throughout the process. He's never not the heir. It's just not, it's the fullness of time hadn't come yet so that he would be realized. And see, all throughout Scripture, because Paul, he's using an illustration here to kind of get the point across to the Galatians. And all throughout Scripture, the prophets do that. Jesus did that in the parables. Because maybe you're like me. Sometimes I, I just want to see the pictures. Sometimes you know, a book with a bunch of words in it can sometimes be you know, daunting. Unless, of course, you have a really good imagination and you get sucked into it, which you know, that was me too. But sometimes pictures can speak more when trying to get a point across. And so Paul, in his, he's trying to paint a picture through his words to illustrate just what is going on with being adopted as an heir of God. Even though the heir owns everything, he is still a slave to his guidance, to his counselor, to his corrector. But until the time of emancipation, he is held and guided and guarded by the trustees. But this guidance is not permanent because it will be over at a set time and set date by his father. Verse 3. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. When time had not yet come, Moses, who God used to deliver the law, was the guardian. He was the custodian. He was the guider and keeper of God's chosen people with the law. The time of the law finished in two ways. First, through the coming of Christ into the flesh. Second, the same Christ comes to us in spirit every day and every hour, especially when the law condemns. You ever had those moments? You've messed up big time. There's times when you messed up on accident, just kind of, well, not accident, but it just came up and it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that right after that. And there's times when you knew it was wrong, what you were doing, but you still wanted to do it anyway. And those doubts creeping in. Wait a minute, I'm a Christian. How am I supposed to be feeling like this? I shouldn't be doing this. this and, they, and these doubts start coming in. Oh, if you're really saved, you wouldn't be doing that. Or you wouldn't be thinking that. You wouldn't be doing... Because see, the devil, he's been watching us a long time. He's not in here. He's not all-knowing. That's God. He's a created being. He'll lie to you and tell you that he's in there, but he's not. He can't. But he's been watching us long enough to guess what is going on with us. No, throw out things. Oh, you did that. Oh, oh you must not be saved. If you were saved, you wouldn't do that. No, did God really say you were his? Did God really promise that he would never leave you? I mean, I would leave you if you did that. I mean, and so all these doubts come creeping and start pounding. Maybe I'm just speaking about to me. And it's in those moments when I need the gospel. Need it to be reminded and to be shown that you know what? You're right. I am a sinner. 
and I do deserve death, hell, and the grave. But there is someone who took on death, hell, and the grave on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, I hope with you also. So in a weird way, when the devil reminds you that you are a sinner, he's doing you great comfort because only Jesus, Jesus only died for sinners. He came for the train wreck. Jesus didn't come for the little engine who could. He came for the little engine who can't. That's who he came for. And that's who he calls his beloved. Paul is using really harsh words for when he's describing the law here. And it's not to be offensive. It's not to bring down the law. He, you know, he says earlier you know, to have high regard for the law. But when it comes to the matters of what you are being justified by, when it comes to the matter of what is saving you, God refers to, I mean, Paul here refers to it as things like elements of this world. Paul uses language elsewhere, like the letter kills, the ministry of death, it's the power of sin. He deliberately chose these loathsome names which saw the power and function of the law in order to frighten us away from the law in matter of justification, in order that we would flee from it when we're going to look for something to save us. See, Judas's big problem was, you know, he betrayed Jesus, but all the disciples betrayed Jesus. I've betrayed Jesus. Love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I haven't done that 100% perfectly. I've loved other things above him. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Bible says that that cry, that have mercy on me, a sinner, remember me when you're in your kingdom, done. Today, right now, you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because they looked to the right source. Judas went to the Pharisees after he sinned. Take this back. Take this money back. I didn't, what I did was wrong. And the worst thing, the most horrible thing that we ever see in scriptures is what was said back to him. See to it yourself. The religious leaders told him to see to it himself. And he did. If only he had gone to the right source. If he had gone to Jesus. And here's good news too about Jesus, our shepherd. Is that even when I don't know which way to turn and which way to run to him. He's running to me. He's running to me. When I'm lost, the good shepherd goes and finds me. And he brings me home. See, those, those old pains and pitters of the good shepherd with the sheep on his shoulder, it's because he went and got him. The, she, the sheep didn't go and grab the shepherd and say, come on, come take me back. He went and got the sheep. Jesus saved you all by himself. All by himself. So those moments you feel like you're too weak to hold on to Jesus, I've got good news. He's strong enough 
to hold on to you. When I am faithless, he is faithful. Because my faith is strong. No, it's because he is strong. Faith can be little, little, little. It's not the, the size of your faith is that what counts. Because then you'd be having faith in your faith. It's who your faith is in that counts. And it's Jesus Christ, Son of God. Who dares to condemn his chosen? Who dares? When the devil accuses me of who I am outside of Christ? Okay. He has no case. He's done if he accuses me of who I am inside of Christ. It's over. When the time of the law was over, Christ did not come to establish a new law. See, it's a very wicked thing to suggest that Jesus is now a new lawgiver. You tracking with that? The Bible says that Christ was the end of the law. He didn't come and redeem us from the law to now put a new law up. And there's scripture that backs that up. He came to set you free. You see, that's scary and that's dangerous because you're telling that to sinners, right? So the sinner will say, oh, I'm free. Oh, I can go and do whatever I want now. See, uh, that's something only a sinner would say. A righteous person wouldn't say that. See, that condemns me too. It's like, well, so you're back to the start. Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's where you need to be. In that place where the only hope I've got is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to redeem those who being held captive under the law. The law kills us, and Christ killed it in turn. Through death, he abolished death. But he who was not under the law subjected himself voluntarily to the law. He let it do to him that it, what it does to us, and it raged against him on the cross. Jesus never sinned. He was perfect. But he became sin. He became my sin. He became our sin. All of that was transferred to Jesus on the cross. Rightly condemned in the flesh for me and for you. But see, scholars call, theologians call this the happy exchange. Doesn't sound too happy at first. Well, here's the good news. He took and became our sin. And through that act, we became his righteousness. Just as Jesus had never sinned, but was now being counted as if he was the sinner of all the world, all the world's sins dumped on him. In the same way, we were imputed with his righteousness. Because we're righteous? No, but we're now being counted as if we are. I've said it before, but I'll say it again because it speaks to me. It's an illustration, but it's, 
it, it, it hits it. I earned the crown of thorns. That, that belonged to me. It belonged to you. Be it on the cross, they were placed on Jesus. And then his crown of righteousness was transferred to us. All gift. All free gift to you. Kate at night, and I try to, you know, I'm so glad he has a heavenly father because I'm very lacking. But when I find moments to try to show Kate, you know, one to admit, hey, daddy needs Jesus too. You need Jesus, Kate? I need Jesus. We both need Jesus. But to kind of give him an idea of how what this exchange looked like on the cross, he had an old hat, baseball hat. It was all messy and dirty and everything. And he has this blanket that he sleeps with. And so, so okay, I'll explain it to you. So, okay, this is your hat. It's dirty. To pretend that represents everything you've done that's bad. And this blanket, pretend this represents everything that Jesus did or who he is. So, so what Jesus did on the cross, I reached over and I grabbed his hat. He took that and he embraced it as if it were his. And he gave you that blanket, his righteousness, and he gave it to you, for you embrace it as his. And the look in Cade's eyes. As much as I want my sons to behave, I'd much rather that them be saved As, as, more than them being right, I'm thankful that God says they're his. So when you look for those little stories, and I'll share one more before we close. There was more I wanted to talk about, but I want to get to the point. Remember when I said that when Jesus came, he didn't redeem us from the curse of the law to then put up a new law. Okay, now, here, go, go for it. Go try this. You're free to love your neighbor. But you're not doing it so that God will love you. He already does. God already loves you. He loved you while you were a sinner. God displays his love in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But as the team comes forward, I want to show this kind of other illustration. When back during the war of Iraqi, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, there were towns and places and stuff that had these big, huge statues to Saddam Hussein, the leader of the country of Iraq. And those statues were there because he represented he's the ruler. He's the one that's in charge of the people. And there were stories, and I can't remember who told me the story or where I read it or where I heard about it, but as the American troops were coming in, maybe you remember the images of the, the statues of Saddam Hussein falling down and the people cheering and the people celebrating and everything. And there was lots of joy and a lot of happiness that this tyrant that was over them is no longer in charge. That, that the, the statue of Saddam Hussein came down, and it was party time. And I heard it was several different instances where the locals would find, I don't know if it was an American Marine or soldier or whatever, but it was American military force. 
and they would pull them aside. And they're so happy, and they're so celebrating. They're saying, okay, this is great. So we need a statue of George W. Bush so we can put it up in its place. And this happened multiple times, and it, it, it caused the soldiers to kind of scratch their head, and they said, what? No, no, no. that's not what this is about. That's not why we're here. There's no statue to George W. Bush. I don't think you understand what just happened. You're free. There's no statue. You're free. How much more? How much more? For the sinner who is under torment of, of, of fear, of condemnation, of realizing what they've done as a sinner with the law, uh, rightfully accusing it. And when the Bible says Christ is the end to the law, and that Christ did not put up another one for you to follow. Why? Because the end game is him. In the same similar fashion, Christ says to us, no, I don't think you understand what's going on here. You're free. There's no more condemnation. There's no more wrath of God for you. Jesus is saying, I consumed that on the cross. That's, it's gone. It's over. The war is over. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. We're now heirs to God. Sons of God. All those stories we see if we're someone who's an heir to something and all oh, those, those fairy tale fictional stories where all of a sudden the person who thought that they were a slave was an heir and we're like, wow, that would be awesome. That would be really cool if I was an heir to whatever this person or, or that and I got left to this. We're heirs to God, the creator of everything. If we fully believe that, that would be all we were talking about. And that's, again, good news even when we don't fully believe it. I believe, help my unbelief. He's still there. In the storm. When he doesn't remove this storm, he's still there with you. See, that's different, too. The psalmist didn't say, Yea, though you took me out of the valley of the shadow of death, no. In a lot of ways, it's far better. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Jesus, if you're not going to remove this, if you're not just going to come back right now, are you going to be with me? Yep. The whole way through. Jesus, I'm suffering right now. Jesus, I know about suffering. I know that pain. I know that hurt. And I'm right there with you. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe this is hitting you fresh for the first time or maybe it's hitting you the same time over and over again and something is building up inside of you that wants to, to, to say, hey, I accept that, I believe that, 
something is going on with me right now. And what's going on with you right now, if you're having that and experiencing that, is the Holy Spirit testifying to your heart that it's true, that it's true. Jesus Christ died for you, and he is interceding for you right now, crying out to God as Abba, Father. If you're here this morning and you want to accept Jesus Christ, come forward as this time of prayer. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. Place your faith and hope in Christ this morning. Grace and peace to you all. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yuri's number one. Yuri's number one. Yuri's number one. He loved you all. Yuri's number one. Hallelujah. Yuri's number one. Thank you, Jesus. Remember that. If you need prayer this morning, the prayer team is coming for it with me, and we're going to join together. And we're going to believe in that man that we've been talking about all morning, that man called Jesus, that man who gave his life for you and for me because he loved you. And he cared for you. You're his number one this morning. You're number one. So as you come forward today, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Early, tell me what we can pray.